0: So um, now I'll read from Jude 1 to 11. Um, Jude was a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James to those who are called sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace and love be multiplied to you. Verse 3. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only God and our Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to remind you, though, that once that you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed those who did not believe. Verse 6, And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the uh, judgment of the great day as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority and speak evil of dignitaries. Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Verse 10. But these speak evil of whatever they do not know, and whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts. In these things they corrupt themselves. And finally, verse 11. Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. Jude was one of four sons born to Mary and Joseph following the miraculous birth of Jesus Christ. Jude's name is a variant of Judas and Judah. Doubt of Christ's deity marked his early ministry and it it is demonstrated in Mark 6.3 when the scribes questioned Jesus' supernatural birth by dismissing the miraculous claim of sonship and believing that Mary, and particularly Joseph, were Jesus's real parents, and we read Mark six three, and this not the carp is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. Mark six is important when we consider how Jude presented himself in verses one and two. In Jude 1 and 2, reads, Jude a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James to those who are called sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. Verse 2, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Jude considered his half-brother relationship to Christ as totally insignificant compared to the deity of Christ. Jude presented himself not as a blood relative, but as a simple bond servant. By common definition, this meant that he was a person bound to service without wages. Again, we see that Jude had not always believed in Jesus's deity. In the book of John, we read in John 7 5, for even his brothers did not believe in him. However, Although we are not told exactly when Jude's faith in Jesus as as a Christ changed we know that Jude would eventually say with Paul in Corinthians 2 Corinthians 5:16 therefore from now on we regard no one according to the flesh even though we have known as known Christ according to the flesh yet now we know him thus no longer moving on to verses three and four jude in his deep desire to see the early jewish christians and gentiles throughout the known world gain a deeper understanding of what he referred to as the common salvation applied himself diligently to the preparation of the epistle which with that objective but his intentions were set aside when the holy spirit directed him instead to address to the believers a strongly worded letter exhorting them that they should earnestly contend the faith which was once delivered unto the saints let's look at jude 1 to 3. beloved while i was very diligent to write you concerning our common salvation i found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints and in verse 4 for certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation ungodly men who turn the grace of our god into lewdness and deny the only lord god and our lord jesus christ Let's just look a little closer at some of Jude's words in context to these verses. Jude is using the word common in this context and does not mean common usage or simply shared by all and any people, but expressly means that there is only one way to obtain salvation, that being exclusively through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ as our Redeemer. Exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith was the great need that caused Jude to interrupt his writing of the original intended letter and address a now more urgent and pressing problem of false teachers creeping into the church. The ancient Greek word translated contend comes from the athletic world, from the wrestling mat mat in fact, Strong's exhaustive concordance states that earnestly contend comes from the Greek word epi and agonizeme, I probably haven't said that right, but that's what came out to me, which means to struggle for or earnestly contend. It is a strengthened form of the word meaning to agonize. Therefore contend speaks of hard and diligent work. The verb contend is modified by the adverb earnestly, and is in the present infinitive showing that Christians, that a Christian struggle is continuous. The use of the word exhorting and contend in verse three are intended to emphasize the word you. Jude wanted each individual Christian to know this. There are many ways that every Christian can contend earnestly for for the faith. As examples, being an unflinching witness Speak of Jesus openly to our neighbors and communities. Support our speakers and ambassadors for Jesus. Encourage the saints. These are a few among many ways that we can positively contend earnestly for the faith. We can inadvertently fail to contend for the faith when we hear false doctrine without response. In the latter part of verse 3, contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints tells us what we are contending for. There is a lot of earnest contention in the world, but usually not for the right things. The faith which was once delivered is, of course, God's written revelation of the eternal truth, which we know today as the inspired books of the Old and New Testaments, Or in other words, the Holy Bible. Now let us look more closely again at verse four. We see why Jude was so concerned with the health of the the, uh, church and why he turned his attention to a more pressing situation. In Jude 4 again I read certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. The church was facing a sinister and dangerous issue. People were creeping into the church unnoticed. These were not seekers or non-believers who were genuinely curious about Christianity, however, sometimes they actually claimed to be believers, but they also denied the exclusive authority of Jesus, twisting his grace into a license to sin as to any as to and any extent that they wanted. There are four phrases from verse four that uh, are worthy of additional comment. Crept in. Uh, Sorry, certain men have crept in unnoticed. In part, this is what makes them so dangerous. They were unnoticed. No one noticed that they were so dangerous. Crept in, the phrase meant that they slipped in secretly. Borrowing from Charles Spurgeon, Spurgeon says Satan knows very well that one devil in the church can do far more damage than a thousand devils outside her bounds. Who long ago were marked out for this condemnation? These certain men have a destiny common to every false teacher and false leader professing to speak with the authority of Christ, Christ's spirit. They are marked and destined for this condemnation, the destiny of eternal damnation. They were unnoticed by men, but not by God. The Lord is not wringing his hands in heaven, worrying about those who deceive others, though their teaching through their teachings and through their lifestyles, they may be hidden to some believers, but as far as God is concerned, their condemnation was marked out long ago. The lastly who turns the grace of our God into lewdness. These certain men had received some part of God's grace, but when they received it, they turned it into an excuse for lewdness. The idea behind the ancient use of the word lewdness is sin that is practiced without shame, without any sense of conscience or decency. Usually the word is used in the sense of sensual sins, such as sexual immorality, but it can also be used in the sense of brazen Anti biblical teachings, when the truth is denied and lies are taught without shame. Jude probably had both ideas in mind here because, as the rest of the letter will show, these certain men had both moral problems and doctrinal problems. These words of Jude show that there is a potential danger in grace. The there are some who, take, who may take the truth of God's grace. This does not mean there is anything wrong or dangerous about the message of God's grace. It simply shows how corrupt the human heart can be. And this one is the last one. This particular overhead. Denying the only Lord God, our Lord Jesus Christ. These certain men deny the Lord Jesus Christ. They did this by refusing to recognize who Jesus said he was. And as a result, they also denied the deity of God the Father. We are not told specifically how these men deny the only Lord God. It may have been their ungodly living, or it may have been they denied him with their heretical doctrines. Probably both were true. From verse 4, we know that certain judgments of these certain men We know of the judgments of these certain men, but verses five to 11 now will give us a clearer picture of what these certain men can expect. Jude compares these unrestrained divisive men to unruly angels and points to five forms of judgment. The destiny of those who refuse to trust God, Sodom and Gomorrah, Pain, the murderer, the prophet, hungry Balaam, and the rebellious Korah. In verse five, we read, but I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed those who did not believe. Jude reminds us of what happened in the book of Numbers, chapter 14. In, verses, in Numbers, sorry, chapter 14, verses 3 to 4, Israel refused to enter Canaan and rejected God. And we read, Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, Let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Almost all of the adult generation of Israel were denied entry to the promised land. Now Jude entreats us to consider the fate of the angels who did not keep their proper domain in terms of the comparable fate experienced by Sodom and Gomorrah. In Jude 6, we read, and the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of that great day. This offense was connected with some kind of sexual sins, such as sexual union between rebellious angelic beings, the sons of gods and human beings, the daughters of men described in Genesis 6, 2. We read that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful and they took wives for themselves of all of those of all whom they chose. Verses 4 and 6 give us two lessons. First, it assures us that the certain men causing trouble will be judged no matter what their spiritual status had been. These angels at one time stood in the immediate and glorious presence of God, and now they are in everlasting chains. If God judged the angels who sinned, he will judge these certain men. And secondly, it also warns us that if angels cannot break the chains sin brought upon them, we are foolish to think that we can break them for ourselves. Only our faith in the redeeming blood of our Lord Jesus Christ can set us free, free indeed. These aspects of sexual sin were confirmed to us by Jude when he tells us in verse 7, as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as examples suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. The words in a similar manner to these refer back to the angels of Jude six and the words gone after strange flesh refers to their unusual sexual union. Genesis 19, Verses 4 and 5 describe a damning condemnation of the men of Sodom and their depravity. Now before they lay down the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. And in verse 5, And they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. This sin is also part of the additional sins to which Sodom were held accountable. In Ezekiel 16 verse 49, look, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had pride, fullness of food and the abundance of idleness. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor or the needy and the needy. Jude also speaks of the Apostles' warning, where Peter, James, Paul, and John warned that mockers would arise, causing doubt and division in the church. We read in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter eleven, 13 to 14, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers transforming themselves into apostles of christ and in verse 14 and no wonder for satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light in verse 8 jude gives us a further insight to the character of these dangerous men likewise also these dreamers defile the flesh and reject authority and speak evil of dignitaries Using the phrase likewise also Jude connected these certain men to the people of Sodom and Gomorrah similarly stating that these certain men were defying the flesh Jude speaks to their sinful sexual sensuality. Jude also speaks conclusively to these certain men's rejection of God's authority, together with those that God put into authority over the church. Today, it is not uncommon for our culture to encourage men and women to reject worldly and godly authority. Often our culture encourages us to recognize self as our only real authority in life, thus rejecting the authority of God and the proper authority God has established for us. In the darkest days of Israel's history, they were characterized as Every man did what was right in his own eyes. And in Judges chapter 21 verse 25, in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what what was right in his own eyes. Jude continues his characterization by pointing to these dreamers who speak evil of dignitaries. It is generally thought that Jude is talking about the apostles who were thought to be the dignitaries and the rejection of that which they taught about was relative to the gospel of Jesus Christ. In verses nine and 10, Jude draws our attention to the need for reverent respect for spiritual bodies, respect for spiritual authority and clearly points to a potential fearful consequence if we fail to observe these ordinances. Jude does not explain what these consequences are, but in Michael's role as an archangel, clearly dared not bring a reviling accusation against the devil. We read in Jude 9, you Michael, the archangel in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Jude's main point is not why Michael was disputing with the enemy or with the devil, but how he disputed with the devil. The manner of Michael's fight is a model for spiritual warfare. First, we see that Michael was in a battle. Secondly, we see that he battled in the Lord's authority, proving that Michael could not reject the devil's accusations on his own authority. Michael did not mock or accuse the devil. God has not called us to judge the devil, to condemn the devil, to mock him or accuse him, but to battle against him in the name of our Lord. This also speaks clearly about the certain men spoken of in verse, Four, since Michael demonstrated such re- restraint in uttering reviling accusations against the devil, devil, how much more important was it not to utter, utter similar criticisms against dignitaries of Christ's church? This relates to the certain men by a, how much more line of thinking if Michael dared not bring against him, any reviling accusation against the devil, how much more should these certain men not speak evil of dignitaries? In verse 10, we read, but these speak of evil of what they do not know. And whatever they know naturally like brute beasts, in these things they corrupt themselves. These certain men didn't even know the things or the people they spoke evil about. Their evil speech was made worse by their ignorance. Since they also spoke against dignitaries and rejected authority, these certain men did not know about true spiritual leadership and authority. So they found it easy to speak evil against it. These certain men pretended to be spiritual, but their only knowledge was really natural. Even what they knew naturally, they still used to corrupt themselves with unspiritual minds. Brute beasts can be smart or clever in an instinctive way, but they obviously do not have spiritual knowledge. It was the same way with these certain men. It is disappointing and tragic. There are men within Christian circles that consider themselves to be spiritual and knowledgeable, thinking of themselves as superior, yet are as brute Beasts in their thinking and teaching. Finally, verse eleven. Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. In these verse, in this verse, Jude brings three indictments against these false teachers. They were following Cain's example. Cain was the first human being born naturally to his parents, Adam and Eve, who were the first human beings created by God. Cain was a farmer who offered vegetables to the Lord as his way of worshiping. This is uh, described in Genesis 4.3. Cain's brother Abel was a shepherd who worshipped God by offering portions of some of the firstborn of his flock. And that is in Genesis chapter four, verse four. The Lord accepted Abel's offering, which was a blood sacrifice offered in faith, described in Hebrews chapter 11, four. But he rejected Cain's offering. Following Cain's example, the following teaching. Following Cain's example, the false teachers despised despised Jesus' blood sacrifice and devised their own corrupt worship. Furthermore, Jude's connection to Cain implies some level of jealousy in the minds of these false teachers. Just as Cain was jealous of Abel, even so, the false teachers were jealous of those who obeyed the Lord and hated genuine believers. In John 3, 1 John 3, verse 12, we read, Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. A second indictment deals with they were like Balaam, choosing profit above integrity. Balaam was a heathen prophet who lived during the time of the Israelites journey through the wilderness, following their escape from Egypt, Balak, the king of Moab offered rewards to Balaam if he would curse the Israelites. At the Lord's direction Balaam refused to curse them but continued to lust after the riches and prestige offered to him by Balak, this is described in the book of Numbers chapter 22. Jude accuses the false teachers of rushing for profit into Balaam's error. They valued financial gain more highly than God's will and led their followers into immorality. The third bullet is they liked Korah. They, like Korah, they had rebelled against God. Also during Israel's wilderness journey, Korah and his followers rebelled against Moses' authority, thereby refused to accept God's authority since God had appointed Moses as Israel leader. This is described in Numbers 16, verse three. Korah also presumed to take upon himself a priestly role, but God had appointed only Aaron to the position of Israel's high priest. Consequently, God destroyed those rebels. uh, The false teachers rejected the authority of Scripture and of those whom God had appointed to teach it. Their destruction was so certain that Jude uses the past tense to describe it. In verse 11, Jude begins his indictment of the false teachers by pronouncing, Woe to them. He anticipates the terrible fate of the false teachers under God's judgment. The prophet Isaiah also pronounced woe upon those who had turned away from the Lord and his truth. And he declared in Isaiah 5 20 to 21, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight and these are the words of the lord thank you for your time